Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Christian Church Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers who want to know Jesus and love like Him. Let's take a listen to this week's message. Morning. Hey, hope you're doing well this morning. So glad that you decided to be with us and connecting with us via our stream. And uh, hey, I want to encourage you to stick around after the message. Our lead pastor, Sean Moores, is going to be up and sharing uh, some updates and some vision with us. So uh, don't miss out on that. If you were with us last week for our Easter uh, gathering and back this week, we're so excited that you uh, have chosen to come back. We had a great gathering. Uh, Amanda already mentioned at the beginning of the service, we had over 9,000 folks who jumped on this stream and uh, participated as we set our affections upon Jesus. And we started this idea, this series called The Comeback, uh, with looking at the greatest comeback of all time, which is the resurrection of Jesus. Had such a great gathering. I pray it was an encouragement for you. We're going to continue on uh, with that idea of a comeback. And uh, this series is so uh, timely, and we didn't didn't know uh, that uh, COVID would be happening at the beginning of this year when we were planning this series back in the fall. But it's so timely because my guess is, is that Uh, Most of us in some way or some fashion have experienced some kind of setback uh, over the last two months due to this uh, virus. And uh, it really has been unexpected for all of us. And whatever setback that you might be going through, I know that at the beginning of uh, this year, uh, I didn't think that the the greatest concern uh, in the month of March was going to be toilet paper. I don't know about you, uh, but it wasn't uh, for me. Uh, Maybe you've got irritable bowel syndrome or something, so it's always a big deal. But for me, I wasn't thinking that this was going to uh, be part of the narrative for the month of uh, March. Um, I wasn't thinking that at the beginning of this year uh, that the greatest fashion statement that we'd be talking about this week uh, is a mask and what kind of mask you have and, and kind of what design and where did you get it. I wasn't thinking that was going to be the big fashion trend uh, on January 1st. And uh, I surely didn't think that one of the biggest conversations that we would be having over the last couple of weeks at the beginning of the year was about Joe Exotic. And if you don't know who that is, uh, then you're not on Netflix. But anyways, like I wasn't thinking that any of those things would be part of the conversation. They were all unexpected. Uh, and on a more serious note, I also know that there's been some unexpected things, some setbacks that many of you have experienced over the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, some of you have experienced uh, being uh, laid off from your job. That was unexpected. Some of you are feeling the financial pressures of an economy that is going in the wrong direction. Some of you are feeling the unexpected setback of being sick yourself or, or, or being worried and concerned for a family member who's dealing with uh, this virus. And unfortunately, even some of you have gotten the news over the last couple of weeks that a loved one has passed away due to uh, this virus. All of these, uh, all of these narratives, all of these things are, are unexpected. None of us knew that they were coming and, and it really does feel like a setback. It feels like a setback. And here's what I know, and, and I think you can uh, agree with me that when I experience setbacks in my life and when you ex- uh, experience setbacks in your life, we usually leads to frustrations with God or people or both. And don't look at your spouse right now when I said that, but usually it leads to frustrations with God, with people, or oftentimes with both. And we begin asking these kind of questions, God, where, where are you? Or God, uh, not only where are you, but what are you doing? And, and why is this happening? And I believe that how we answer those questions will, will play a big part in how our comeback stories will be told later on in the future. 
Because our setbacks in life, and here's what I wanna talk about this morning, our setbacks in life will either move us, it'll bring us closer to God, or it'll actually move us farther away from God. This season will either bring you closer to God or it will take you farther from God, and here's the thing, it's your choice. It's my choice. How how we live through this setback, this unexpected season will either bring you closer or farther from God and and we get to make the choice. And here's what I will remind us this morning, and I pray this will be an encouragement to you no matter uh, how you're feeling, um, that uh, don't mistake, don't mistake, this is an easy trap to fall into, don't mistake your setbacks for God's absence. Don't mistake this season of dealing with this virus. Don't, don't mistake this a season of setbacks as God's absence because friends, I'm telling you this morning that God is very close. Even if this morning you say, well, it doesn't feel like it, Matt. Well, from what I'm seeing, I don't see God doing much of anything at all. And so it's really hard for me to believe that what you're saying is true. So I wanna take the next 15 or so minutes to encourage you and maybe challenge you that God is actually very close to all of us this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 39. We're gonna be working through the story of Joseph this morning. And if you grew up in church, you probably know the story of Joseph. I'm gonna catch us up a little bit of of Joseph's story and work uh, through it. Uh, Starting in in, uh, Genesis, actually actually chapter 37, uh, you begin to uh, be introduced to Joseph. He's got 11 brothers. Uh, he's got a dad named Jacob, and, and it's really clear that in the scriptures that, that Joseph is the favorite. He is the favorite of the, uh, of the 12 sons. Uh, and so, uh, parents, this is just a reminder for you and me. This is why we don't have favorites. Uh, this story will remind us that, or, the, or at least why we don't tell people who our favorite child is, because Jacob, he, he, he makes it really obvious to his other sons that Joseph is the favorite. He gives Joseph this coat, and the Bible calls it a coat of many colors, and colors in, in those days were a big deal. It would cost a little bit more. It'd be very expensive to have a garment with a bunch of different colors on it. But uh, Jacob gives his son Joseph this coat, and you can imagine his brothers don't really receive that well. Uh, then Joseph, he, he starts having some dreams and dreams are a big part of his story. And he actually starts having this dream about how one day his family is gonna bow down to him. And, and kids, here's another pro tip, especially if you have brothers or sisters, if you start having dreams uh, that one day your family is going to uh, essentially bow down to you and serve you, maybe don't tell them that, but this is, uh, the, this is not what Joseph does. He actually tells all his brothers and says, hey, I've had this dream and, and one day you guys, are gonna bow down to me. And so you, you, you just know Joseph's brothers aren't too excited about the coat or the dream. And so they decide one day out in the field to kind of rough them up. They beat them up a little bit. They, they kind of throw them in this hole. They begin to have this conversation. Actually, they begin debating with one another if they should actually kill him or not. So things get serious real fast. And it just so happens there, there are some merchants that were going by that were headed to Egypt. And one of the brothers says, hey, why don't we just go ahead and sell Joseph? Let's just sell him to these merchants on the way to Egypt. They all agree it's a good idea. And so Joseph, and, and just like a couple of verses, goes from being the favorite son in his family to being a slave. 
And Joseph now is headed to Egypt. His brothers, they, they fake his death. They get his coat. They rip it up. They put some uh, goat blood on it. They bring it back to their father. And they say, listen, we, we, we assume that, that Joseph, he, he was killed by a wild animal. And so here's his coat. Here is proof. His father is devastated. And Joseph is headed to Egypt, where eventually he'll uh, be put for sale up in the slave market. And he's purchased by this high-ranking Egyptian named Potiphar. Now, uh, here's what I know. We're only, this is just the beginning of his story. We're only uh, really just worked through one chapter. And I, I think we could all agree, that's a bad week. That's a bad week. Joseph is living in this uh, unexpected setback. And it'd be really easy, I think, for Joseph to start asking questions. God, where are you? What are you doing? I was living this good life. And all of a sudden, I'm being sold. Uh, in a slave market in Egypt. And, and this is crazy, right? Now, now look at this. This is Genesis chapter 39, starting in verse two. I'm reading from the message and look at this. And it just, I, I love this phrase here. As it turned out, because you might be confused just reading the story uh, and, and the setbacks that Joseph is going through, you might think that God wasn't with him, but then the scriptures say this. As it turned out, look at this. God was with Joseph. As it turned out, God was actually with Joseph and things went very well for him. He ended up living in the home of his Egyptian master and his master recognized that God was with him, saw that God was working for good in everything Joseph did and he became very fond of Joseph and made him his personal aide. And he put him in charge of all his personal affairs, turning everything over to him. And you're gonna keep seeing this. The scriptures keep reminding us, listen, don't just look at the circumstances that Joseph finds himself in when you are determining where God is. Joseph goes through a major setback and the scriptures say, yeah, but as it turned out, God was actually with him. He was close to him. He, he actually blessed him in the house of Potiphar. And so much so that even uh, Potiphar saw this in Joseph. He saw that God was near to him and how he was living. And so uh, Potiphar puts him in charge of all his uh, family affairs, which is the reminder this morning, don't mistake your setback for God's absence. It's actually very close. The story continues. Uh, Joseph's actually approached by Potiphar's wife who actually tries to seduce him. She wants to sleep with him. Joseph says no. So, so she uh, says to her husband, hey, Joseph actually tried to put the moves on me. That's called lying. Kids don't do that. Potiphar's in this really tough position. He's got his a favorite servant who's managing his household. He's got his wife who says his favorite servant made a move on her, even though it isn't true. And so Potiphar's kind of back in his corner and, and Joseph uh, is thrown in jail. So if you're following so far in the story of Joseph, he was betrayed by his brothers, he was sold into slavery, and now he's been falsely accused of trying to sleep with his master's wife. So here's his story so far. He's gone from the favorite son to a slave and now to a convict. And then look at this. Bible's gonna remind you again. Genesis chapter 39, verse 21. But, but, even though he's going through all these setbacks, but they're in jail, God was still with Joseph. You might be confused in a lot of the circumstances that you see Joseph going through. And Joseph very easily could be saying, where is God? But there in jail, God was still with Joseph. He reached out in kindness to him. He put him on good terms with the head jailer. And the head jailer put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners and he ended up managing the whole operation. He's put in charge again. 
The head jailer gave Joseph free reign, never even checked on him because God was with him. It's the fourth time in this chapter we're reminded God was close to him. God was with Joseph. And whatever he did, God made sure it worked out for the best. Scriptures remind you again, don't mistake your setbacks for God's absence. Story continues. In prison, Joseph uh, uh, is, is an expert in interpreting dreams and he runs into a couple of guys who are having these dreams and they can't figure out what their dreams mean. And so Joseph interprets their dreams for them and for the one guy, his dream is not gonna lead to good news uh, and to the other, it actually does. And then the guy actually gets out of jail and the guy says to Joseph, I'm gonna remember you, I'm gonna tell you, uh, I'm gonna tell about you to Pharaoh. And, and, uh, and so the story goes that this guy gets out of jail and uh, unfortunately he forgets about Joseph. Again, another setback. And Joseph will uh, be in prison for another two years. This isn't a quick comeback. This is a long story. This is a long comeback. And Joseph's in jail for another two years until eventually Pharaoh, the guy in charge, really one of the most powerful people in the world in that time, begins having dreams. He begins having these dreams and he can't get anyone to interpret the dreams for him to figure out what these dreams mean. And this guy who was with Joseph in jail who's around Pharaoh goes, you know what, I know a guy. I actually know a guy who can interpret dreams. He interpreted my dream. His name's Joseph and he's in jail. And so Pharaoh goes and, and he gets a Joseph and, and Joseph comes and he's able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. Uh, uh, Joseph says that there's gonna be uh, seven years of, of plenty in Egypt. There's gonna be a great harvest, but that great harvest then will be followed by seven years of famine. And Joseph advises the Pharaoh how to prepare for this famine. And as a result, Pharaoh actually puts him in a vice president role. He puts him in the second chair. And again, if you're following, he, this is Joseph's story. He goes from the favorite son to a slave to a convict in jail. And now he is the VP. Turns out that Joseph is correct about Pharaoh's dream. There is seven years of plenty that is followed by seven years of famine. And then it gets to a point in the story where uh, because of this famine, people are coming to Egypt looking for food. Now because of Joseph, uh, his leadership over seven years, he has stored up plenty of food and it just so happens that his family, his brothers come looking for food, not knowing that Joseph is actually one of the most powerful people in the world. There's a couple of interactions between him and his brothers and they don't know it at first, but eventually we get to this place in the story where it is revealed to his brothers that Joseph is the VP. And you can imagine his brothers are a little frightened. They know the story. At least they didn't know the beginning of the story. They know what they did. And in Genesis chapter 50, verse 19, this is one of the most uh, well-known verses in the scriptures. It, It says this, but Joseph said to them, he's talking to his brothers, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Translation, am I exactly where I'm supposed to be? Did God put me here for this moment in this season? This is exactly where I'm supposed to be. See, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. And what's being done? The saving of many lives. There were people who weren't gonna have food, but you see, God, he led me through these setbacks to these exact moments. Verse 21, so then don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid, I, I will provide for you and your children. He reassured them and spoke kindly to them. And through the years of hurting and being falsely accused and suffering, here's what Joseph knows, that God was doing something good. There was a purpose in the midst of his setbacks. It was leading to something bigger, even bigger than Joseph himself. And Joseph recognizes this because God was with him all the way through. He actually says to his brothers, listen, I, I can't even be mad at you because God used it. He used it because he was thinking about these millions of people who, who years down the road, after you betrayed me and you sold me into slavery, he knew there was gonna be people who needed something to eat. And he used your evil, not just for my good, but for millions of people's goods. It reminds me of the season that we're in right now. Even though we can't gather as a church together this morning, we're, 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 we're meeting via video and streaming and you're hanging out in your home, here's what I know to be true. Even though I wish that we could gather together, God is still using this. Even though I, I want this season of, of this virus to be done with, here's what I know, God is still working, God is still close. Here's how I know, because there were people last week who watched this stream who made a decision to follow Jesus. There have been people over the last couple of weeks who, who have jumped on to check out a service that's being streamed online who would never step foot in a church, but they'll click a button and watch. And God's used it. He's used it for his good. He's used it for the good of the church. He's using you and he's using me to gain influence in people's lives. He's taking the bad and using it for good. Using it specifically for this season. One of the greatest setbacks you and I have probably ever experienced and yet God is working in the midst. Joseph's faith is so wise and profound he can recognize it in the most difficult setbacks even gets to a place in his life where he's able to forgive his brothers and go, listen, I can't even be mad. God was in it and he was using it. And here are the results, there's food for people to eat. There was purpose in the setbacks. And if there's purpose, then it has to mean that God is present. Here's what I know in my life, the two of the most painful setbacks I've, I've gone through. One is the passing of my dad, when my dad died when I was 12, and, and another was about seven years ago, seven and a half years ago, when I was part of this church plant that failed. Two of the most painful setbacks I've ever experienced, and, and yet I can see how God has used it. The one setback led me to a calling in full-time ministry, and the other one actually led me to Colorado. I wouldn't even be here this morning if, if that church plant would have been successful and yet I can still see how God was in the midst of those difficult setbacks. There was a purpose. If there's been any message that I've preached over the last five and a half, six years that have encouraged you, that have pushed you more to uh, being a better follower of Jesus, that has made you run after Jesus with everything that you have, if there's anything I've ever said that's encouraged you, then you're gonna know this morning, those messages have started in some of the most painful setbacks in my life, seasons of my life where I, I, I didn't know what was going on and I didn't understand why it was happening. And yet here we are today, I'm on this stage and the reason I'm here is because of these setbacks in my life, but there was a purpose. And whatever setback that you're feeling this morning, I'm telling you there is a purpose. God is in the midst of it. He will take this difficulty and he will use it for good. 
Paul weighs in on this idea of setbacks. He says this in James chapter one, starting at verse two. Now, Paul, you just gotta know, he's all in. This guy had setback after setback. I mean, this whole life is just one difficulty after another. This is what Paul says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, and here's why. Because you know, you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. And here's something I know about every single person who's watching this morning. Doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what you believe about God, but if you believe in God or not, I know that every single one of you have been through something that you didn't like and you've been through something that you didn't understand, yet over time as you look back, you'll get to a place eventually where you'll say, man, I wouldn't choose that, I wouldn't want to go through that season again, but here's what I know, it made me better and it made me stronger. Made me stronger. Some of you would even say in those setbacks, you, you drew closer to God than farther away. And this has been my, pre, my, my prayer for us in this season, that we would draw closer to God, not farther away. Again, it's our choice. I've had some people say to me, uh, well, Matt, are you saying that uh, if you could choose, that you would still choose to lose your dad knowing where you are now? And the answer is no, that's silly. I would never really choose for myself to experience those setbacks. I would never choose for my dad to die uh, when he was 35. I, I wouldn't choose to go through that experience. I wouldn't choose for a church plant to, to fail. I wouldn't choose to see people that, who made huge life decisions for this church plant and moving to Boston and all of a sudden get uh, falling apart and watching them work through the difficulties. I wouldn't choose it. And yet here's the tension of it. I know that uh, as those people were going through those setbacks, as I was going through my, uh, my setback, my faith was being built, it was being pruned, it was becoming stronger. And on the other side, I can look back now and see what God was up to. And I promise you, if you journey with God over any portion of time you, and you work through any setback with him, there will be a day where you'll be able to look back and go, man, I, I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. I don't even have all the questions answered, but I can see how God was using this incredible, difficult, painful setback in my life for my good. And maybe even for the good of those around me. It's incredible. Don't mistake your setback for God's absence. And let's be a church that keeps trusting God. Let's keep, be a church that keeps uh, behave, believing that God, when he says that he is close, even when we don't see it, even if it doesn't make sense, because the truth is, is God is near. He isn't far away. He isn't hiding. He isn't sheltering in place. He is here and he's working. I believe it. He's working in the midst of our setback. You can go, well, it doesn't seem like he's working, but I'm telling you, he's working. And you might go, well, how do you know? But tell me, man, how, how do you know how? Because I'm just looking around. It doesn't seem like things are going really well. Look at all these difficulties in my life. I don't see them. And, and, and I want to know, like, what's he doing? Friends, let me tell you, this is how I know. Last week, the church gathered around the story of Easter, the greatest you know, celebration in, 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 for, for those of us who, who believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Because if there's no resurrection, uh, then we have no hope. Now here's what I want to encourage you with this morning, especially if you're a follower of Jesus. This is something to think about if you're not. The story of Easter, it's over this three days, right? It's, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Jesus crucified on Friday. That's, that's day one. We know the resurrection happens on day three, right? That's good news. That's why we gathered together last week. That's why we can put all of our hope in Jesus because when a guy who says he's the son of God comes back from the dead or says he's going to come back from the dead and he does it, right? You can put hope in that guy. 
And so this is why I just say, I just, whatever Jesus says, I just go with because he came back from the dead. Even if I have trouble understanding, I just put my faith in him. But, but here's the thing, just think about this. If you were actually there, if you witnessed this whole thing, can you imagine how you felt after day one watching Jesus be crucified on day two? You were, you were following Jesus, you were watching Jesus, you were walking with him for over three years and then all of a sudden this guy who you believe to be the son of God is gone. At least he seems to be gone. Where is he? He's gone for a whole day and you're hiding and there's worry and there's fear and there's anxiety and if you were there, you'd be asking the same question the disciples that we were asking of, man, what, where is he? What, what's he doing? This is, all, is this really all over? We just invested three years of our life and it would seem now it's all scam. Friends, that's day two thinking. Then day three happens and Jesus comes back from the dead. Nothing has been the same. And the power and the story of the resurrection of Jesus has changed my life and it's changed many of your lives. And in this season, we can be a church that thinks like day two or we can be a church that thinks like day three. Day two, we just keep going, where is God and what is he doing? But we know how the story ends. He came back for day three and I don't know how long in this season, I don't know how long this is gonna last. I don't know when we kind of push through and we get to the other side and we we get to have those day three miracles and we get to see and, and we get to experience to look back at day two and we can get with each other and go, wasn't that crazy? That was a really tough season, but we endured and we persevered and it was really tough because it, it, we didn't really see it. We didn't know what God was doing, but now we got to day three and we, we've seen he's come back from the dead. We, we, don't, we can't make sense of everything, but we can make sense of some things and we can see it now. Listen, we get to be a church that chooses and you get to be a follower of Jesus that chooses to be a day two follower or a day three follower. Joseph's faith helped him to persevere. And here we are 2000 years later telling his comeback story Not a guy who floundered, not a guy who was questioning where God was, but a guy who over and over again was reminded that God was close and it got him through to day three. Got him through to a day where he got to stand before his brothers and said, I I can see it now. What, What some meant for evil, God used it for my good and your good and for millions of people who need something to eat. I'm telling you, God's close. He's close. He's in the midst of the setback, but it's day two, but day three is coming. It's coming. There's a day coming. We're gonna rally together. There's a day coming, I can't wait for it. There's gonna be a day coming with this empty auditorium that I'm in this morning. It's gonna be filled with hundreds of people and we're gonna raise our hands and this is gonna be our, our, our worship expression to the Father. God, that was a tough season. Whew. People died. People lost their jobs. Relationships were broken. Man, it was a tough season and yet here's I, I just believe there's a day coming we're gonna we're gonna gather together we're gonna go but in but you are with us in the midst of all of it and you're using it for our good what the enemy meant for evil you redeemed it you restored us and if you want to persevere and if I want to persevere then we got to be reminded this morning that God is actually 
close. Sunday's coming. Day three is coming. Resurrection celebrations are coming. In the meantime, we hold tight. We persevere, we have faith that Jesus is who he says he is. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing uh, one last song and then again, Sean will be up at the end of the service to uh, update us on a few things, but this is a song, Sea of Victory. We have, we, we've not sung it here at Rocky before, but it's been on my playlist for, for over a year. It's been a great song of encouragement to me. It's really based off the, the story of Joseph. And you're gonna see this tagline where uh, we will sing, you know, what, what the enemy meant for evil. God used it for good. He's in the midst of the setbacks. He's with us, even when we can't see it, even when we don't feel it, even when we're tempted to have a thoughts in the context of Easter of day two, but we believe in day three. Jesus has already proven it to be true. He's alive and well. He's close to me and he's close to you this morning. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you this morning for the reminder that you are who you say you are. And Father, how, how easy it is for us in the midst of difficult circumstances and the setbacks of our life to look at our circumstances that aren't going our way and begin questioning, where are you and what are you doing? And here's what we know, story after story. 2,000 years ago, a guy named Joseph who experienced setback after setback, and yet you were with them all the way through. Remind your church this morning, you're not far, you're actually close. We're in this season of day two, but we believe there's a day three coming. We don't know when and we don't know how soon, but we're gonna trust and we're gonna persevere that in this setback, you're going to redeem it, you're going to use it for the good of your kingdom. You're gonna redeem it for your church. You're gonna redeem it for your followers. You're gonna use it to draw more and more people to the saving knowledge and story of your son who changed my life and changed many people's lives who are watching this morning. And so this morning we hang tight, we persevere. Our faith grows in the midst of the setback because we believe you're using our difficulties. We believe you're using the evil. We believe that you're using this difficult season for your good. And we put our faith in you this morning, even when it doesn't make sense to us. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the story of Easter. We thank you that Jesus was willing to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And I pray this morning that you'll be close and remind us of your closeness Remind your church, you're here. We love you and we praise you this morning. It's in your son's name, Jesus' name.